Yo, this is Rob Harvilla from 60 Saws That Explain the 90s, the world's greatest loopy and perverse and inaccurately named music nostalgia podcast. We're doing 90 songs now because there's too many songs. Pearl Jam, Jay-Z, Jewel, U2, Cher, Hootie. These are just some of the names people yell at me on the internet because we're back. More great songs, more rad special guests, more loopy perversity. Join us once more on 60 Songs That Explain the 90s every Wednesday on Spotify. This episode of The Town is brought to you by FX's The Bear, starring Jeremy Allen White, Ayo Adebri, and Eben Moss Backrack. Season two follows as the crew work to transform their grimy sandwich joint into a next level spot. It turns out the only thing harder than running a restaurant is opening a new one. Television Academy members can watch all episodes at fxnetworks.com slash FYC. This episode is brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. As a ruthless king builds his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape will fight for the future of apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and in theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. It is Wednesday, October 26th. Hollywood is a superhero business, and it's been that way for a couple decades now. It's also been a crazy few weeks for DC, the legendary comic book publisher turned film and TV franchise generator. It's the home of characters like Superman, Wonder Woman, Shazam, Aquaman, Green Lantern, my favorite, Batman. This past weekend, Black Adam, based on a character I'd never heard of, opened in theaters starring Dwayne Johnson, and it did okay. 67 million domestic, 140 million global, on a budget of almost 200 million. We'll see how it plays into November. But on the business side, the division, which is part of Warner Brothers and its new owner, Warner Brothers Discovery, it finally has new leadership. James Gunn, the filmmaker behind Guardians of the Galaxy at Marvel and Suicide Squad and the Peacemaker show at DC, he's taking over the division with Peter Safran a producer who was involved in Aquaman and other DC projects. It was a long search to find these guys. Marvel has its leader in Kevin Feige, who has been very, very successful. And DC has never had that kind of cachet, despite a lot of success on the film side in particular. It's always in the shadow of Marvel. And the sense that Warner Brothers Discovery is that DC needs better movies and a more coherent and long-term strategy across film, TV, games, products, and more ways to make money off of these iconic characters. they got to figure out the future of Superman, with Henry Cavill saying this week that he's on board for a new movie after that cameo in Black Adam, but we have no idea what it's going to be, and there's no script yet. And they've got to deal with the Ezra Miller situation on the Flash movie. Uh, Ezra has now been charged with robbery in New England. Lots going on at DC, and Boris Kitt covers this stuff for The Hollywood Reporter very closely. He's a friend of mine. And I hope he's sitting next to me at tonight's premiere of Wakanda Forever so he can explain all of the MCU references that I never get. Uh, But today we're not talking Marvel, we're talking DC. From The Ringer and Puck, I'm Matt Bellany, and this is The Town. All right, we are here with Boris Kitt from The Hollywood Reporter. Boris, it's been a while since you've been on the show. Welcome back. Thank you. It hasn't been that long. Yeah, maybe it just feels that way. I want to be around you all the time. All right, Boris and I are friends. We used to work together at Hollywood Reporter, and he covers the DC comic book world universe very well. He wrote a great story this past week about the future of Superman at DC. And then yesterday, we had some big news. Finally, DC has some leaders in James Gunn and Peter Safran. The fans seem to like these hires from what I'm seeing on social media. Why do you think this is going over so well? Because James Gunn is very, very well liked in the social media sphere. 
And as a filmmaker, people just people really like like him and his work. There's a lot of goodwill towards him. There's a lot of goodwill towards the Guardians of the Galaxy movies uh, and the Peacemaker TV series. And a lot of people loved the Suicide Squad movie, which box office wise, it came out during the pandemic. It wasn't that great, but from a critical uh, and geek point of view, that's that movie was like five stars. So they hired James Gunn, even though he had this whole bad tweet scandal at Disney a few years ago. I remember we covered this at the time. Uh, some pretty incendiary and misogynistic tweets. Disney actually fired James Gunn from Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Um, ultimately, he was reinstated on the franchise. Um, it's kind of an ironic moment that Alan Horn, who was running Disney at the time, is now a consultant for Warner Brothers Discovery and presumably was involved in this hiring. So that's done, right? The, the fans have forgiven him. The studio's forgiven him and we're moving on. Yes. I don't think, by the way, the fans were the ones who were really mad about those tweets or concerned about those tweets to begin with. It was, you know, part of a uh, an anti-gun social media campaign because uh, he was also very outspoken against uh, MAGA at the time. And that was Trump that, stuff. Yeah, Trump stuff. So, right. It was a conservative led. Yeah, you're right. So so that's done. And I feel like he's kind of this kind of a crazy trajectory for this guy he goes from being quasi canceled and now he's running the entire dc universe i mean not just a trajectory trajectory for him i mean it's i mean he's having quite the year he got married uh you know a little while ago this year too but uh for a filmmaker to to do this kind of leap is really quite unprecedented uh and to do it with a guy who you know started off making like these b movie horror movies to kind of fall into the whole marvel versus dc battle which you know fans love that that got that kind of narrative you know and to lose a movie at, at marvel then get it back and then go to dc and now end up as an executive you know overseeing this kind of stuff is really like it's it is unprecedented it's, it's kind of you know, mind-blowing as a, as a career trajectory it is and they're really like you mentioned there's not that much precedent the example that i've seen used is what they do at pixar because Pixar has had this situation where there is a creative leader. Right now, it's uh, Pete Doctor, And then there is a business side leader. And they've done that from the very beginning when John Lasseter was running it with Ed Catmull. Um, that has not really been tried on the live action front, if I recall. Right. I can't think of any example where that kind of move has happened. You've had executives who go on to become like screenwriters or even directors or stuff like that on rare occasions. Well, and vice versa. The guy running Paramount right now is Brian Robbins, who was a filmmaker himself as well. Right. But not exactly like, uh, you know, a filmmaker at the level of, of, uh, of, of James Gunn, who's like, you know, he's, he's, a, he's a, a filmmaker with a very specific point of view as well. Uh, you're disrespecting Varsity Blues, the Brian Robbins movie. All right, but whatever. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about the challenge ahead, because I have always said that I think DC gets a bad rap. If Marvel did not exist, DC would be thought of as this hit factory. If you look at you know Aquaman doing over a billion dollars, you look at how they kind of survived the Zack Snyder verse, where some of these movies were not very good, and now they've had Shazam, which did well and spawned a sequel. They've got this Flash movie coming that is supposed to be a, a reset of the of the franchise. 
Um, why does why is DC considered this stepchild, this this kind of second tier brand? Well, that's it's it's not a second tier brand, but sometimes they just can't get out of their own way to uh, to make these movies uh, where they seem to have the ingredients. Yet somehow, you know, when you have something else to compare it to on in in the next lane, you have a car that is either shinier or faster and is going to the same destination. It's, it's just it's not firing on all cylinders. I feel like the Batman franchise is in a pretty good place now with Matt Reeves. That that most recent movie did pretty well with Rob Pattinson. And they've got, you know, they're trying to do this strategy where they go across platforms, where they have movie in theaters, then they're going to do a spin-off Penguin series for HBO Max. They got had Suicide Squad in theaters, then they did Peacemaker on HBO Max. I mean, that's sort of what Marvel is doing with Disney+. Plus. But it feels like they are. It's it's not it's not a disaster like a, like some people say. Well, one, it's they're it's, they're not doing anything innovative because they are. You know, Marvel has been doing it, did it first. You know, with with the TV shows. Mm-hmm. But you're right because they've been slowly putting this stuff together, and that's in under Walter Hamada. You know, he's the one that was putting together, you yeah. know, and he had a whole strategy and, and we're discounting also all those CW shows they did. I mean, the DC brand was pretty well exploited, but on the film side, they DC had a very different strategy from Marvel in that it wasn't one guy like Marvel has Kevin Feige that is dictating the entire universe as sort of a showrunner type. DC was picking and choosing filmmakers to work with. And then you could, you know, they could have but something like Warner Brothers way. The Warner's has always been like the filmmaker studio. And, you know, DC was an example of that where they would seek out filmmakers to try and work on these projects. And yeah, then you have like Todd Phillips doing the Joker movies. You have the Snyderverse. You have, you know, now the Matt Reeves movies. You had the Chris Nolan Batman movies that were very signature for him. Do you think that's going to continue with James Gunn? Or is now that they have a filmmaker type in the executive job is the division the creative vision going to come from him and then filmmakers are going to be hired to execute well that's one of the big questions that people have that i've been talking to because james is he knows dc in and out with all the characters comic book creators love him you know when, when he yesterday sort of confirmed you know the announcement you know if you look into his all, all the notifications it's it's the first several dozen. There's so many comic book creators from, you know, p- past creators to new creators who are all congratulating him and, and all that stuff. So he, he has a huge following and respect from, from the people that, that make the comics. And in return, he respects the comic book, comic book makers. So he gets that and, and fans see that he gets that. But is Todd Phillips going to go and pitch him? on his vision or is Matt Reeves going to come in and say, okay, here's what I'd like to do for the second Batman movie. And James Gunn, who is a peer of this guy is going to be like, uh, maybe not. Well, the Todd Phillips bat, uh, Joker stuff is going to be its own separate thing. And he's going to be reporting to, uh, to Mike DeLuca who runs Warner brothers with Pam Abdi. Right. And then it'll be interesting to see what happens with Matt Reeves. Cause Matt Reeves is already well, ensconced in a Batman universe that he's of his own. Uh, and he's also starting to develop stuff with the Batman villains. So I'm not sure exactly how the Batman pie is going to be divvied up, but for the rest of it, if you want to work 
in the DC sandbox, you're going to have to, you know, go through James Gunn and Peter Safran. Now, you're right. There is there is a concern about how how will a director take you know notes from another director. Uh, the other the other question is what kind of vision does James have? Because James has a very specific point of view, right? He's, you know, he's R-rated, he's irreverent. He's wacky, yeah. There's music montages, there's brains being splattered. You can't have that be every DC film going forward. So what what kind of personality is 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 going to surface out of the the new executive James Gunn? And and how is that going to work with with filmmakers? This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. These comic book movies take a long time to put together. And the Warner Brothers runway, so to speak, is already a couple years long. You know, they've got the Flash movie coming up in June. They've got the Aquaman sequel, which is basically done, right? And they've got a, a couple of other movies that are in various stages of production. So when will we start to see the new imprint of these guys on DC movies? Or are they going to start tinkering right away? Well, here's, that's the interesting thing, right? These guys have signed four year, a four-year deal, and it's going to take probably about three years before uh, you know the first of their truly movies of their own really start coming out, right? Because by the time you start hiring somebody to write, then shoot something, post-production, the whole thing, it's going to be like you know three years before they before they release something, and it's like okay, you know. Here's the first movie, and oh, we got to go. And Warner Brothers could have a new owner by then anyway. So, yeah, you never know what's going to happen with this stuff. But you don't see them, like, stopping the trains and saying, okay, we're not going to do this movie that is already half shot or about to start shooting. Not at all. I mean, they're going to go in and, and start looking at the projects that have been in development. So And, and, they'll, and they'll stop stuff. I'm sure they'll, they'll cancel a bunch of stuff that they don't think should get made. But Aquaman is is so deep into visual effects the flash you know has had test screenings and is is you know still some special effects i think have to be done but that's a lot of it is basically done and blue beetle is is also like so those three movies are, are set that's the one with zolo Maradueno, right yes um let's talk about ezra miller this situation is pretty dark and uh, ezra was recently charged with robbery, a case that could actually go to trial as this movie is coming out. You talk to a lot of people within Warner Brothers about how they are managing this situation. What's the latest? What do you think the strategy is going to be? Will Ezra Miller go through a 
normal press junket and promotional strategy for this film? Will they try to hide Ezra Miller and keep Ezra Miller out of all of this promotion? Uh, what's the strategy right now? I think they just want to keep Ezra on as low profile as possible until they can start promoting the movie. But Miller is the star of the movie. I mean, that it's not possible to keep this person out of the press completely when you're selling a movie like that. You've got to have Ezra Miller out there in some way. Obviously, the trailers are going to showcase The Flash. And, you know, in the case of Black Adam, we just saw this past weekend, The Rock was everywhere, literally everywhere, promoting this movie. I know The Rock's a bigger star than Ezra Miller, but they need that kind of promotion. How do you open a movie when the star is under so much controversy? Right, but a lot of the controversy doesn't exist for people in middle America. Right. The average moviegoer doesn't know the details. Right. They, and they, and they don't even care at this point. Right. Uh, it's, it's diehard fans, you know, my, and the media does. Uh, and that's what will be a problem. I think when this movie is coming out. Um, so first off, they're not going to scrap or dump or anything like that. People who say that I, unless this gets really bad, unless there are further revelations that come out, but how do you think that, given what we know today about the situation and some of the stuff that's coming out, it's only going to be amplified as the release date comes closer. How do you think the studio will approach this? I, I don't pretend to know anything about the, you know, the marketing minds of, of, of these people. They, they want to keep Ezra out of trouble and out of any negative spotlight uh, until the time comes. And there were some meetings recently you reported on that, it basically, Ezra sat down with the leadership and said that there was going to be a concerted effort to avoid trouble in the future. Now, we'll see if that holds. Uh, Ezra is really trying to stay focused on... You believe that? I've been told they are really committed to getting better, and they are also committed to this movie because they know a lot of their career depends on this. Right. So let's move, let's go back to DC and some of the strategy here. Do you think that the ultimate goal is to just mimic Marvel? I mean, David Zaslav, the CEO of Warner Brothers Discovery, seems to want a Marvel-like strategy for this brand. And even more than they're already doing, you're going to see storylines across movies you're going to see characters pop up in different places we saw in spoiler alert we saw superman show up in black adam and as you reported that was not initially planned the rock wanted it and he got it and henry cavill showed up in black adam so is this going to be the future of characters across the, the different movies um, of multiverses and different platforms with different shows that lead into movies is that where we're going here the short answer is yes, because what you can do is, you know, and I think Batman is a, is a good example of that, where Matt Reeves is still going to be able to have his, uh, you know, Robert Pattinson Batman. But you know what? You're going to have Ben Affleck show up in The Flash, right? Right. And there's no reason why you can't have more Ben Affleck movies or Ben Affleck show up in other places. Yeah. So, so Matt Reeves can still have his sandbox. And then you can have a whole lot of other 
uh, DC movies where Ben Affleck, who a lot of fans love as Batman, can show up and pop up in different places. Yeah. What's going on with the what's going on with the Black Superman movie that Ta-Nehisi Coates was writing? That movie is still being worked on. Do you think it'll ever happen, in your opinion? Yes. You do. I, I think I think it would not be a good look for them to uh to scrap that movie. Although Zaslav doesn't seem to care about good looks these days. He wants what's best for the business overall. And I, I agree with you. I think it will happen. I'm excited for that movie. Um, but I think the fact that Cavill is now announcing himself as the new Superman probably puts that other movie on the back burner. Yeah, but that one, that Black Superman movie has J.J. Abrams uh, developing that one. And I think that one, I think because of J.J.'s involvement and his investment in that one, I think that one is uh, is going to get, uh, is going to happen. So yeah, So give me the overall mood at DC with this change in leadership and the new owner and you know all of these movies kind of now in play. What's the mood there? I think people are finally on some level relieved because after like, you know, over 6 months of searching or more, they have they now have a leader. There's like there's like a, there's a key executive and now you can actually start building off of that. And you can finally pitch your Canadian Superman idea. I'm actually hoping for a Alpha Flight movie, but that's Marvel. Uh, you should be, the, the tagline is truth, justice, and poutine. <laughs> All right, Boris, thanks for joining us. Uh, we'll always read your stuff at Hollywood Reporter, and we'll have you back again soon. Thanks, Matt. All right, we are back with the call sheet. Craig, have you thrown out your easy sneakers yet? You know, luckily I was never a Yeezy sneaker guy and that's paying off. I mean, what's nuts about the Kanye thing? I had no idea how big that business was. Yeah. I mean, billions of dollars on the Yeezy brand. Yeah. So looking at the the outlets that have dropped Kanye's, everyone from Adidas to CAA, his agency, MRC, the production company that was working on a documentary about him, Foot Locker, J.P. Morgan Chase, all these different companies have. The interesting thing and my prediction is that I do not believe that his music will be taken off the major streaming services. And not just because Daniel Eck, the CEO of Spotify, said yesterday, we're not going to do that. Um, that's a decision that's up to his label, Universal Music Group, which owns Def Jam. But a lot of the pressure right now within the entertainment industry is on UMG and these music partners to get his music off of the channels because he makes money on that. Even though Universal is not currently in business with Kanye, he he they they parted ways in 2021. Uh, he does his own music on his own label now, but all the hits, the songs that you like, are Universal music songs probably. So it would have to come from UMG, the music outlets like Spotify, Apple Music, the others. They have what's called must carry clauses in their deals. Typically, um, they haven't commented on this, but I am pretty co pretty confident that they have must carry clauses, which means that they don't get to decide to just take music off. It has to come from the label. So the label is the decision maker here, and they don't want to do this because it's a slippery slope. Yeah, I mean that makes sense. And so a must carry means that if if Universal has a deal with Spotify, it means Spotify must carry the music that universal gives to them yeah i mean there are exceptions and i don't want to go into all the exceptions but yes that's typically what that means and uh you know 
if you start taking music off from artists that have said incendiary things, and don't get me wrong, the Kanye comments are awful, anti-Semitic, terrible, terrible. Um, UMG has R. Kelly. Uh, you know, what about Michael Jackson's music? Uh, what about all the songs produced by Phil Spector, you know, who was convicted of, of murder? Like, there, that is a very slippery slope, so I understand why they don't want to go down that road. Um, and remember, there's nothing anti-Semitic in the music itself. Yeah, I think you're probably right, and I, I also understand the, the idea behind the slippery slope um, line of thinking. No, it's obviously it's a position that benefits this music company financially because if you just say no, we don't want to do this, then you know you're making money off these songs, and we haven't seen yet. None of these outlets has released numbers, or Billboard hasn't yet, on whether Kanye has been getting a boost in listenership because of all the controversy. Typically, when you're in the news, your listens go up on these services. However, he's been in the news so much that for the last five years, I wonder if it even matters anymore. Yeah, I wonder if it even matters too. And keep in mind, that's not where these artists make the bulk of their money anymore. You don't make it on the listens. You make it on touring, and that's not happening with Kanye. Live Nation says they won't work with him anymore. He makes it on endorsements, obviously, with the, the easy stuff. Um, I was shocked to see he's no longer a billionaire, according to Forbes, just because losing this deal. Yeah, and, Yeez- and Adidas, I guess, now owns the design rights to Yeezy, so they can continue to manufacture shoes with the Yeezy design. They just can't use the Yeezy name. We'll see what happens to that. All right, that's the show for today. I want to thank Boris Kitt for coming on. I want to thank producer Craig Holbeck, and I want to thank you. We will see you on Thursday. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.